When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham. Today we'll be discussing Antonio Conte's first week at Tottenham, what comes next and then we'll also be looking back at Sunday's 0-0 draw at Everton. I am today joined by Alistair Gold who is returning from his uh, two weeks away across Europe, he's been jet-setting uh, Italy, France and Portugal. Not like you've missed much at all, is it, to be honest, in terms of Tottenham? No, no. As normal, it's all quiet while I'm away. Nothing major happening. No huge shake-ups of the football club or anything like that. Yeah, I only realised, actually, when I got back, which was weird, that actually the three countries I went to all had links to the last four Spurs managers. Went to Italy. Obviously, Antonio Conte now joins us as an Italian. Um Went to Paris, where Poch obviously is currently plying his trade with PSG. And I went to Lisbon for a couple of days, obviously in Portugal, with uh, Nuno and Jose Mourinho. I wasn't with them, I should stress. <laughs> I didn't go on a group tour with Jose and Nuno. Can you imagine that? Um, but yeah, it was, um, as I've said before, I think people already know, it, was, it wasn't originally planned as this big European adventure. It was to replace a trip to America. So we thought... We'll fill the time with a few little mini trips around various places. And it was lovely. Thank you very much. And yes, I was watching on with interest as you were having to deal with most of the stuff that was happening. Although I did pop back, didn't I, to the UK in the middle. So we um, had a couple of days trying to sift through the carnage of Nuno's departure and Conte's arrival. But uh, different times. Another new era for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, and obviously it started with a 3-2 win of the Vitesse in the Europe Conference League on Thursday. Then on Sunday, it was a 0-0 draw away at Everton. Bit of a lively game, not so much uh, quality on show. Uh, Jordan Pickford just wasn't tested in the Everton goal and then neither was Hugo Lloris really. I think all in all, it was probably uh, a fair result. It was rubbish. That's the word I think you're looking for. It was rubbish. Well, obviously, you were watching on from home as you decided not to make the trip to Goodison. Uh, well, I, I tried to just come back because I was like, uh, use that weekend to kind of, uh, yeah, kind of settle down ready for the Monday. But uh, it was rubbish. I thought you said it was a home of football, Goodison Park. I thought that would promise some amazing fare for everyone. They were going to serve the treat of football. That wasn't the home of football, I'm afraid. Well, it was for Watford the other week, but it just wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't on Sunday. No, it wasn't a good game at all. Really, uh, a lack of chances, a lack of quality from both teams. But I think, like I said, I think nil-nil was a fair result. Spurs just didn't do enough to win it. Yes, they went close with Giovanni de Lo Celso shot uh, just before the end, what cannoned off the post. But prior to that, it was really half chances what had Emerson headed one over from Sergio Regalon's cross uh, Lucas bit of good footwork in the first half uh, what's or his effort blocked and then Regalon uh, on the stretch couldn't keep his shot down from Kane's cross uh, at the end of the first half again I think it's what we've seen from Spurs in recent weeks it's just a lack of quality in the final third but Antonio Conte's only been in the job a few days. Obviously, he was uh, observing training uh, first couple of days whilst he waited for his work permit. Yes. And then it's just been like it has with Nuno, like it has with Jose. Because of the European game on the Thursday, you just have a lack of time on the training pitch because obviously you're going to have to do a recovery session after uh, a game. But... I think Antonio has been spending his time wisely on the training pitch, uh, putting in the work. He did turn up an hour late to his press conference on Friday. He did apologise for it and he did admit he had been uh, 
doing a, a video session with his team and then uh, a training session out on the pitch what overrun so at least you know he's putting in the work with the players and obviously it's not a miracle work as Spurs just weren't going to become the best team in the world after a few days on the concert that is yeah. going to take time but I think you can take positives uh, from the Everton game what about you what did you think of it on the whole there were, like you say, uh, I think that that's important. There were little moments where I kind of thought, okay, okay, that's um, like there were little combinations, little part passages of play, little passing bits, especially bits where they passed their way out of trouble at the back. Um, there was a few occasions that did that, and I thought, okay, okay, we're kind of seeing little triangles now, little patterns of play that that's different. You know that that's moved on slightly. There's he's clearly said to them, look, you know, I want you to properly passes out for the back. No, no, just booting it forward. There's no point just hoofing it up the pitch. That's a major plus. That's, you know, that that indicates that hopefully better, more possession-based football is on the way. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I could even see social media when I returned on um, yesterday or Monday, when I, I kind of tweeted out if I missed anything. People, it was like quite down. And it was really weird. It was people I realised, well, certainly you haven't missed any shots on goal and all that sort of stuff. And I was a bit like, I was quite surprised because there was so much excitement in the week after he was appointed. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe we just, we all have a lack of patience nowadays. I don't know. But I don't, I, maybe I'm just in the minority, but I didn't expect him to come in and transform the team in his first days. I think maybe we got slightly carried away with that 15 minutes against Vitesse when suddenly... You know, Spurs were clicking slightly and, and, and having chances on goal and scoring three goals. But the problems at Tottenham, I mean, they're going to take a little bit of time. You know, someone asked me, I did a Q&A yesterday on Football to London, and someone asked me, how long do you think until we see Conte's Tottenham? And I said, and, and this is my opinion, I don't think we'll start to see it until way into the second half of the season. He hasn't even got a full week to work with his entire squad of players until January. You know, we're, we're in early November. You know, there is no way that with a game every couple of days, you're going to probably see the exact Conte. And this is maybe this is what Nuno will say. Was he ever able to truly show the Nuno Spirit of Santa Tottenham? I don't know. Some people might say we did, but get to see it, and it wasn't very pleasant. And other people might say, no, we never actually really got a chance to see it. Um but yeah, I think Conte needs time. He's been very vocal already. You've noticed in saying things like, oh, you know, I'm not getting a pre-season this time. Please notice this. Please notice I'm coming in halfway through a season. Um, I don't know whether... I was trying to think back of, of the other clubs where he's whether he's had to go in in pre-season or whether he's come in in the summers. I don't know if that was something you guys looked at while I was away, but... I think it's... He, he never did it with like UV, Chelsea, Inter. I think it might have been a couple of his first jobs in management. I can't remember what Italian teams were, but I think a couple of them he might have come in during the season. But on the whole, it is usually he'll come in uh, in the summer, have a good pre season yeah. with the team, and then they'll be, uh, you know, up and running come the first day. But that's just not the case at Spurs. Uh, somehow he's got to get the team up and running right away. Uh, yeah. and his style is so different you yeah. know, his style is so fitness based as well you know it's, it's, it's it requires a pre- it's a bit like Poch I think had Poch come in pre-season uh, sorry had come in through a season I think it would have taken him way longer to start turning Tottenham into the Pochettino Tottenham um, yeah so so yeah we'll see I think it'll take a little time I hope people are patient I hope they don't suddenly decide that we didn't want and Conte, after all, <laughs> it's just like, you know, he's going to need a bit of time. The fixtures help him. Into, I know I'm saying about the schedule doesn't, but the actual kind of fixtures he has, you know, if he was to come in during any period of fixtures, this probably is one he would have chosen to. Uh, they're games that Tottenham should be expected to win. Antonio Conte would be expecting his team to win these matches. Um, I'm fascinated to see how it all goes. Um, I was watching in on the press conference. I wasn't taking part, but I was watching in on a few of them. Um, and we're going to go from Nuno Santo, who we probably would ask about 40 questions in a press conference just to try and fit enough to fill out a transcript because um, he'd give you maybe, I don't know what, 20-second replies at his longest, um, and you're going to Antonio Conte, who you ask him one question, he'll go off on one for about seven minutes. 
Um, and I do wonder whether our post-match press conferences could end up being like three-question press conferences because he talks that much. And you're just going to have to hope. I used to have a when I used to cover non-league football. I used to cover a team called Bishop Stortford. They were in the uh, Conference South at that point, and a manager called Rod Stringer. He was a lovely guy, but essentially, you'd ask him one question at the end of the match, and he would then go on a, a long, long, long answer for about maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you just have to hope he covered all the topics you would have asked him in your remaining questions. And the one time Bishop Stortford got to um, say the one time, they've been there again since, but at the time they got to the FA Cup first round and they played Northampton Town. It was televised on ITV. And I'd kind of been wondering, how are ITV going to deal with Rod Stringer when they've got to interview him? And it was, I think it was Gabrielle Clark um, doing it. And he went up to him and he could just see the panic on his face because he's like, oh my goodness, he's still talking. And I've only <laughs> asked him one question. And eventually they just had to cut away to um, Adrian Charles, I think it was on the pitch, man. Um, and it was just, yeah. So I, I wonder whether Conte is going to be like that with us, whether we're going to have some frustrated journalists who couldn't get their questions in um, because he just likes to likes to talk. But to be fair to him, it's not awful. It is not waffle. It was. It's really from what I've read and what I listened to. It's good stuff. Um, and I think the key thing that you know, I don't know what you'll think about it, but I think he knows the scale of what he's got in his hands at Tottenham, and I think that's crucial. Yeah, he does. Just in terms of the press conferences, obviously I was in on them while you were away, and Conte's first one on the Friday ahead of the Everton game, we had an email from the club before, and it stated that literally. Journalists limited to one question uh, per person. And I mean, I didn't even get a question in the end. There was just so many wants in them and you just run out of time. And then, uh, yeah, after the game against Everton, he must have been waiting about a good 40 minutes for him to turn up. Uh, four, four questions, what was about eight minutes in total. And then you just have the stewards at Goodison telling you, right, five minutes, then you're out. <laughs> and that was the case as well on Thursday after the Vitesse one. Literally, we're given limited time uh, after it uh, had a word. So, Listen, yeah. I, I think about our first world football problems. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting kicked out of our free seats really quickly. <laughs> no, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think there will be. Well, they've already been a lot, a lot better than Nuno's. Uh, you can just tell yeah. from the depths of uh, his answers. But yeah, I think he knows what is uh, coming into it. Tottenham, I think that's been made clear to him. Uh, it's not like when he came in at, obviously, his other clubs and you're thinking, yeah, I can get him up and running, challenging for the title right away. He, he did mention in uh, one of his answers that he does think like, there's a top four and they are pulling away. So it is going to take him time, you know, to get Spurs uh, back to the heights where they were the previous few years. And he's, he's going to take time. Uh, but I think he has seen positives already. He did state after the event game that he's seen, you know, the heart, the will, the intensity and the passion from his players. And that could potentially be a game changer for Tottenham because if you're getting that, from your players, then you'll be expecting them, you know, to perform at higher levels and get the points what they weren't getting because in Shouldn't the final few weeks. Yeah, exactly. But that it's wasn't so the case, was it? Hear that, is it? No, yeah. uh, which is so frustrating. Yeah, I uh, didn't get that in the final few weeks of uh, Nuno's reign. And I mean, what doesn't sit well with me, and it probably is will be the case with a lot of people, it's when you know, the team aren't doing very well under a manager. The manager then gets sacked and then literally the next game, they're at the top of the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, not great, but he's it, seen a lot. See. Of, I don't think it reflects uh, well on them. But I, I think this is the trouble with these these players is that what we four, four managers in whatever it is, two years, it's on the whole, the same bunch of players, you know, probably at least two thirds of them are the same players. And it's like, at what point, I mean, to be fair, you know, Hugo Lloris, I watched, you know, the press comments you guys did with him as well. And he was very much, yes, we have to take responsibility, but I don't, do they really players? Do they really take responsibility or do they just point at the manager? I don't know. Mm. So yeah, uh, with Conte, like you said, you've seen that passion, the heart, 
the will, the intensity from his players. Even Harry Kane, who spoke after the Vitesse game, he's saying already that he can see players want to put the body on the line for him. Well, again, should be a minimum requirement anyway, shouldn't it? Well, you should be doing it for the club. Yeah, exactly. You you, you do it for the badge. That's why you're there. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of all of that. It's a bit like, you know, I know we're going to talk about training and all that in a bit and and how good it's been. And that, you know, you always get these stories at the start about how great training is. And you know that at the end, you're going to get the the stories about how bad training is. (laughs) It's just like, come on. I just, yeah, I hate that side of football. It's, It's the kind of the grubby side of football that I really don't like. But, Hey, it happens everywhere and unfortunately it's just part and parcel of the game. Just going back to the Everton game, obviously Spurs had no shots on target again. That was the case the week previous against Manchester United. Do you think in order for them to solve the creativity issues, formation changes needed because there just doesn't seem to be that link between the midfield and attack because you've got... Pierre-Emile Hoybier and Oliver Skipper are two good players, two defensively-minded players who do help shield the defence. They're not going to be two players who are going to, you know, be putting the ball on the plate for Harry Kane, Lucas Moura, something min. Yeah, I mean, just ahead of the... Uh, when the, the team came out for the Vitesse game, I messaged uh, our colleague from the Press Association, Jonathan Veal, who... Uh, who was at the game with you? And I, and I just kind of said, I don't see where the link is. I don't see where the creativity through the middle is in that team. Um, and obviously Spurs then in the first 15 minutes, like created loads of chances, scored three goals. And he replied back, oh, there it is. But I kind of feel my point has probably still been borne out across the, what is it, ensuing 100 or so, 150 or so minutes afterwards of the two games in that it's just disjointed. I think... And I get, I get why he's chosen that team because he's kind of he's gone for the like you say that the hard workers, the ones that will show heart, the tried and tested, uh, tried and tested, probably experienced heads that you can rely on as well. You know, I don't think I think Mourinho was similar when he first came in. I think he, he and even Ryan Mason, I think, went to experienced heads to start off. Um, but for me, I don't feel that if you've got wing backs, you know, do you need wingers? I don't think you do. And I think it naturally pushes those wingers infield. And then you get this weird kind of cluttered middle of the pitch where you've got, you know, Skip, Hoybier, Son, uh, Lucas, all kind of scrubbing around in a really busy area. And you've got Kane who likes to drop deep anyway. And then you ended up kind of, it was all a bit of a mess. Uh, whereas for me, I kind of feel that rather than this 3-4-3, you probably go with a like a 3-4-1-2. Um, and then I get the I get the feeling. Um, well, he's a, he's a big Oliver Skip fan already. Antonio Conte. Uh, this is what I'm told that he's absolutely kind of. I don't guess absolutely smitten. That sounds like he's some kind of lovelorn teenager. But he is. He's very much. He's coming and like, yeah, you'll do for me. I like you. I like you a lot. And that that's that's what I get told from a few people kind of behind the scenes as well. Because you know, you know, we've said this before. Skippy is a coach's dream, isn't he? He is tactically very clever. He can take on a lot of information. Technique-wise, he's got everything he needs. He's got an incredible engine. He just works so hard. Whether it's training, whether it's a match, you know, we spoke earlier there about people showing heart for a new manager. He he just does that. Whatever you know, he's just he's a Tottenham boy, Tottenham through and through. He's so ecstatic to be playing for this football club. Um, and and you know and he is he's someone that gives you everything. Nuno love he was the one player that I could get Nuno to talk about. He would actually like go on a little bit of a monologue about him because he liked him so much. And Jose obviously said he was a future Tottenham captain. Poch liked him, saw him coming through then when he was a kid. He was about seventeen then, wasn't he? Um, and now, yeah, I'm told that Antonio Conte is now kind of uh, sees a big future for him. So. Straight away, that kind of that that means he, he's probably not going to drop him for Hoybier and you know just have the one of them, and that instantly creates this thing. Okay, well you've got that platform, you've got the two. Um, I think both of them, both Hoybier and Skip, are going to have to work on if they are going to play together. They're going to have to work on their forward passing. There's going to have to be more creativity from one or other of them in, in terms of how they rotate and where they go. But then I think you have to have the Tongi Lacelso playmaker type in front in that number 10 role. 
And also, you know, it puts Kane and Son up together again up front. And, and let's be honest, under Mourinho, that was one of the highlights of the Spurs team. Son and Kane as a partnership up front. You know, I know we have a lot of talk about other players like Vlajevic and, and, and other kind of exciting strikers coming in, but I don't think you're going to get a better strike partnership than Son and Kane. I think it's one of the best in football. It really is. If you can get them up there and just tell Sonny, don't worry about going out wide and all that, act as a strike partnership, I think it would be superb. And you don't have to worry about the width because you'll have, let's say, Regulon and Emerson bombing on, putting the crosses in. You've got, let's say, I don't know, Lacelso's getting a bit of a hate at the moment. There seems to be, because he's taken some rubbish corners and there was another dreadful one towards the end of the game. And, you know, I don't think he's he's wowing people, it's fair to say right now. Although he could have won the game with that shot in the final kind of uh, moment. Um, so let's, I don't know, let's say it's Tongi in that role. But yeah, I, I do, I think... They're missing that person to thread passes through. Um, you know, and if Kane plays with Son up front, then Kane can also play that role. He can also drop back as well. Someone today said, what about Delhi for that role? It's like, I think Delhi behind Kane is great. Delhi behind the front two, it puts more of a playmaker onus on him and the passing, and I don't think that's Delhi's game. Um, but yeah, I just feel that little tweak in formation. But yeah, there's a feeling right now that Conte's kind of getting to know his players and there's a feeling that that formation will slightly tweak and that you the, the team that we've seen in the first two games is not going to be the one you're going to see in, let's say, two months' time. Um, yeah, I don't know about you. Did you feel it just just needs that something, doesn't it? There's just that, Like you said, that link between the lines is missing. Yeah, that is missing. I think probably in terms of the team he's picked for the past two games, it was just the case of picking a team who he knows he can rely on and get the results, then you'll have a bit more time to work with some of your players over the international break than you know you can get to know them better then you can start picking a bit more of a more adventurous game uh, uh, adventurous team sorry and I think what you will have seen in the Everton game was just that lack of chances created he did say in these post-match press conferences there was many many mistakes in terms of the final pass so he knows that needs to be sorted now he's got time to wait with Tongi and Lambelli on the training pitch over the next fortnight because he's not been uh, called up to the France squad. So you'd like to think, obviously, and uh, Belly can show what he's all about these next two weeks, give Conte something to really think about. And obviously, Oliver Skip is missing against Leeds, so there has to yeah. be a change in midfield anyway as he's picked up five bookings. So... Whether, I don't know, whether you keep it a 3 4 3 and then bring Ndombele in to partner Hoybjerg so you've got more of a forward thinking midfielder in there. Or you do, like you say, whether you, you shift to a 3 4 1 2 and play Tongi a bit further forward. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe with Winks alongside Hoybjerg then. Yeah, well, Winks played really well when he came off the bench against Vitesse. Only had 17 minutes on the pitch, but used the ball really well. He was the one who played the ball over the top for Emerson where the keeper yeah. got sent off. Then had a really good run through midfield towards the end. So he perhaps maybe thought he was a bit unlucky not to start against Everton. So Winks could come back in. There's options. Uh, there's definitely a lot of options for Conte to pick from. Uh, as I said earlier, He's not a miracle worker. Things just weren't going to click straight away. He's going to take some time to figure out his best team, get to know the players, and then hopefully from the Leeds game onward, we'll see a bit more of an uh, adventurous Spurs team because there's definitely quality in there to help them get the results. And there's, what, 27 games left in the season? Awful lot to play for. And with the fixtures coming up, is it Leeds at home, Burnley away, Brentford and Norwich at home, Brighton away. Real chance to build some momentum ahead of those, uh, that away game at Leicester and the Liverpool home one before Christmas, what will be big games for Tottenham. Yeah, and I think the other thing, you know, I'm sure as soon as I said the words Harry Winks, that people kind of roll in their eyes and stuff. But what we've got to also understand is naturally with a new manager, you get a fresh emphasis. Certain players get a whole new lease of life. They see something different in them. They train slightly differently. They pick up on strengths that maybe haven't been seen before or they nullify their weaknesses. But on top of that as well, you've also got managers coming in with a different system. I mean, there's, there's, there's a certain irony that you do wonder whether Nuno would have liked to have come in and played with a back three, but never, ever would have been allowed to do it. Whereas Antonio Conte... 
essentially, we, I think we said this last week, he's holding all the cards. He's just walking into there and it's like, you need me. Let me do my thing kind of thing. And essentially, you know, I think the formation change is going to free, you know, who knows? You know, like, uh, let's say Matt Doherty. Let's say, I don't know, Emerson gets a little knock or something. Matt Doherty comes in and goes back to the natural wing-back position that he was superb in for Wolves. He could have a renaissance at Tottenham. You know, he could suddenly show what he's actually can do. Um, let's say Ben Davies. Ben Davies has played well, hasn't he, from what I can tell. Um, you know, obviously, I only saw bits of the Vitesse game, I kind of, but I did see all of the Everton game. And, you know, he's playing in that natural role he plays with Wales. And I think, you know, that's probably been to his benefit. Um, I wrote an article yesterday, Ryan Sessegnon, you know, starting to do some outdoor training this week and they're taking it slowly with him. But, you know, I actually think he's probably the best suited to the left wing back role of anyone at the club. You know, Regulon, I think, once he, he had a bit of an erratic game on Sunday and some of his passing was woeful. But I think he will learn to play that role. I think he said in an interview, didn't he, afterwards, that he's never actually played as a wing back. So that for him is a new look. A bit like Doherty kind of playing as a right back. It's going to be an adjustment. But I think with Session, he's actually someone that has played there a lot at wing back. And he's, you know, probably better in the final third than Regulon. You know, he had that season, didn't he, when um, Fulham came up. I think he scored 16 goals, Session, that season. As He was more of a left winger, but obviously shows that he can play in that advanced role. So... Yeah, I think there's a few players, and, and Winks may be one of them. You know, Winks, Conte may just see something in him, um, and, and it changes things. And again, it could be the complete opposite, and Winks and, say, let's say, Deli Ali may have already decided they're going to head off in January. I don't know. That may have already been planned. I'm not sure, uh, especially with his love for Skip and Hoybier there. He's clearly not going to play every week, Winks. But, um, yeah, I think... I know it's very difficult for us as journalists and for fans to have a bit of a, a mind wipe, like Men in Black, the little kind of thing to uh, make people forget what's happened. That's probably completely lost on you, isn't it? The neuralizer. Uh, I don't think I've watched it. I've, I think well, I've seen so, uh, some of it before, but I can't remember watching all of it. There's four of them. <laughs> there's four of them. You haven't seen one of them. But yeah, so they hold up this little device that wipes your mind, essentially if you've just seen an alien. So, you know, I I'm sure we can't really do that, but I think do, in a way we maybe have to have a little bit of a reset on some players because they may be completely different under a new manager. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, a big first week for him. A lot of good stories coming out from the club as well. I mean, I mean, you can talk about Reglon because I know you, you had that interview as well. And What did he say about training? Uh, I think it's intense. It's hard work, what you'd expect from Conte. But what he's done already is a lot of video sessions. So he is obviously Italian managers, very tactical. That's what you'll get on the training pitch. There'll be a lot of tactical work. There might be double sessions just to, you know, get the team playing the way you want. So he's obviously seen things he needs to work on at Tottenham and he's doing that in the video sessions. He did the video session on Friday before the press conference uh, with his players. Uh, so. Yeah, and what Region said as well, he's spoken with Hakimi, who's now at PSG, was a teammate of him at Real Madrid when he was younger. So he's been asking him, obviously, what life is like under Conte. And I think he does know that he's going to have to do double running, I think he said, in his wing-back role. But yeah, I think he's pretty sure he's going to improve as a player. And I think one thing for certain is Tottenham players will be worked extremely hard on the training pitch under Antonio Conte. One thing I did notice after the, the Vitesse game, uh, what usually happens after a game, the players who are subs are the ones who came on, come on for the final few minutes, will take part in the warm down. And these are usually just, you know, a bit of a jog, isn't it, really, up and down a few times. Uh, but Thursday's session was extremely intense for the ones taking part. I think there's about nine of them. I think Tongi was taking part, Harry Winks, because they'd come late on. Davinson Sanchez wasn't there despite coming late on. So I think he had a knock to the head while he's probably getting yeah. seen to her. Uh, Stephen Bergwijn was there. I think Joe Rode and Deli Alley, number of players. And it was under the new fitness coach, Gian Piero Ventron. I think that's how you pronounce it. 
or maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah. If anyone's going to get it wrong, it says. Yeah. What what he'd done basically is he'd set up uh, a running area for the players, what would be the width of the penalty area, and they're probably about 20 yards long, and the players were running up and down at various speeds, and he was shouting at them. Uh, there was a number of journalists still in the press box, and, and a lot of us were just looking at the training session because I think you had to really just because of the uh, sound from uh, the fitness coach. He was really shouting at them, uh, getting them to work extremely hard, and that was the case as well after the Everton game on Sunday. Uh, I think there was probably about ten of them out at the side of the pitch doing a number of exercises. Joe Roden wasn't in the squad. He was 21st man. He was actually training with the team before the game with the subs and then with the ones who were playing. And then he was taking part with uh, the subs after the game in the warm down. So if it's intense after a game, doing the warm down, uh, you can bet your life it will be extremely intense uh, on the training pitch during the week. Yeah, it's interesting because... At the start of Nuno's reign, he was doing similar. He was pushing them quite hard after matches. And I was told that a couple of little kind of niggling injuries actually came out of that. Um, and I do wonder now, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's another one of those little kind of, uh, I don't want to say double standards, but I guess it kind of is that but Antonio can do it. It's fine. Because <laughs> you know? he's allowed to. Um and but but there's there's no getting away from it. They need to get fitter. They do because Conte is going to have them doing the the pressing a lot. It's going to go. It's going to be almost back to Poch pressing levels of the you know peak Poch years. Um, yeah, I'm hearing lots of good stuff about training. Uh, as far as I go as far to say that the players have been blown away by the training sessions and how meticulous they are. The little small details that he goes up to every individual and discusses and. You know, man management. I keep hearing good stuff about that, but also he's a he's a funny character. He's kind of got a lot of the strengths, I think, of previous Tottenham managers that we've had in recent years. But he's very uniquely Conte. He really is. He's he's just this kind of weird kind of mass of energy, constantly kind of crackling, and he's like, and he expects everyone around him to be exactly the same. That's what people have told me. Even in the corridors of Hotspur Way, he's exactly the same. He's just like this live wire. Um, and and I think that's what the club needed. With, with no disrespect to Nuno at all, because like I've always say, I don't want to see anyone lose their job. But Nuno was very much more of a, a calm presence, wasn't he? He was very kind of laid, not laid back, but very uh, always looked like he was like, okay, this is what we have to do. Kind of, they always like explained it like a disappointed father, especially to me. I got quite a lot of that, but. Yeah, with with Conte, it's more of a oh, like this kind of bustling energy constantly, and I think that's infectious. I think that rubs off on the other people he's working with, and you know, a lot of good stuff from staff in the club saying, you know, how good he is, and a lot of stuff from people around the players that've been saying how much they've been enjoying it as well. Um, but on the top of that, he's also got this aura, and there's this little, this I say little, it's quite a lot. I think there's this you really respect him, but there's also that little element of fear. Because he doesn't take any prisoners. He will not allow passengers to come along for the ride. He doesn't care whether you're the top player at the club or a young, you know, kid who's stepped up from the academy for a training session. He will let you have it if he feels that you need it. You know, he will probably go. He he can be quite confrontational as well, a bit like Jose was, but in his own kind of style. Uh, you know, we saw it with Diego Costa at Chelsea. He was like their main man up front and, and didn't matter. He was bombed out of there he had no interest you know whatsoever and and I think I think that's great news for Spurs you know th- there's no getting away from the fact that Harry Kane has unfortunately been a, a shadow of himself especially in the Premier League um, and whether that's you know a the lingering kind of after effects of the summer when he wanted to move but to have someone like Conte come in and just go, essentially, what are you doing? You're Harry Kane. You're one of the best players in the world. Get going. Get scoring those goals. And from everything we're hearing from those around Harry Kane, Harry Kane's absolutely pumped up about this. He's, he feels like the club of now showing the ambition that he's always wanted them to show with this appointment. You, know, you could maybe argue, I still think we're yet to see 
that translated into on-pitch stuff. Um, I don't know about you. I mean, you were there, so you're going to have a much better perspective than me. But just watching on telly, still seems to be lumbering around a little bit. Doesn't seem to be in full kind of rhythm and flow with his running cane. And whether that's a fitness thing, um, you know, he was never better for me. Although, yeah, he was terrific under Mourinho, but it was a different kind of role. But I think when you had the Poch version of Kane, he was probably at his fittest he's ever been. He was pressing constantly. And every there's the old cliche, but the defence started with the attack because he was always closing down at the top. Um, and if Conte can get that back, I would, you know, maybe you could argue, can this version of Harry Kane after the injury is a little bit older, can he still do that? I don't know. But what have you made of him? Does he look more energetic? I don't know. Well, I thought in the Vitesse game, the first half an hour, he started to look a bit more like his old self, uh, some good hold-up play, you know, pressing, uh, played a really good ball through for Lucas Moura's goal. Did seem to look more like his old self. But then against Everton, you just didn't get any change uh, out, of, out of Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey at the back. A uh, couple of good bits of play from him in terms of the link-up but just no shots on target. But he wasn't the only one in the front line who struggled. Son had a really quiet game. Uh, Again, we've said it before with Son, he's either brilliant or he can just be non-existent. There just doesn't seem to be any middle ground with him uh, sometimes. Uh, But yeah, Kane, I think we've said it before, maybe you just need a goal and you start off on the run. But then again, he scored against Newcastle and we're thinking, oh, he's going to take off here and then he just didn't. Uh, but you know Conte's now got a couple of weeks to work with uh, a number of his players before the vast majority of them come back ahead of Leeds I think we'll see a different Tottenham team in the next few weeks and hopefully we'll see a a different Harry Kane team as well he's definitely a striker he loves I think he said in 2017 yeah I think in 2017 Conte said basically he basically is the number one striker in the world, really, in terms of his not all-round game. And if he could buy him, he would. Yeah. So, yeah, fingers crossed, everything does come together. Yeah, I'm told the senior players have really taken to him, which is important because they're the ones that kind of influence the rest of the dressing room. Um, so that's good. And I mean, I think a bit of a... Um, well, I don't know if it's a masterstroke or not, or just a clever thing to do, is the appointment of Ryan Mason to his coaching team. Um, and I'm led to believe, you know, you could some people, cynical types might say, oh, you know, that's the club forcing that on him as a bit of a, you know, gesture type thing. I'm absolutely led to believe from everyone connected with it that it's not at all. That it was very much Conte came in and made the request to have Ryan Mason as part of his team. And from what I'm told, I don't think Ryan Mason would have accepted had it been a club decision anyway. I don't think that's, I don't think he's the kind of guy that wants to be forced on anyone. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a really clever move. You've got that link. You've got someone that really knows the players inside out. Uh, you've got someone that also, you know, if you want to do your own good cop, bad cop, you've got someone that, you know, knows a lot of them very well in terms of, you know, has been teammates with some of them, has been a teammate with some of them. Um, and there's so much expectation for Ryan. I mean, he's only 30. It's like, that's ridiculous, isn't it? He was 29 when he was the caretaker boss. Um, and, it's, uh, you know, I know he got some criticism from some quarters, but at 29 to come into that job and win the majority of your matches... Um, I think he did a great job and I can only imagine what he's going to be like four or five years down the road having had the experience of, you know, obviously it was very close to Poch learning from him and and with uh, Mourinho, I think he kind of watched on at various training sessions and, and spoke to him and stuff and obviously not least the time he took over himself um, and now working with Conte, I think it's great for him. It's a big team, you know, Conte's brought, uh, he's got six coaches and all working with him which, again, is another sign of Conte being able to do what he wants to do. I think Nuno had four, didn't he? Um, and very much Conte's come in and said, I need these people. This is what I need to, to transform. I think three, is it two or three of them are uh, fitness coaches. Three, a, three fitness yeah, coaches, yeah. A lot of emphasis on it, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. Um, and, yeah, but I think with Ryan Mason, I think it's a clever one. I, I do. I, I think... Uh, 
I'm interested to see how that dynamic works, how he and Conte kind of gel together um, and how much they learn. I'd love to speak to Ryan Mason at some point and ask him about it all. Um, but yeah, no, that's clever. And um, from what I understand, it's gone down very well with the players. They, they like that idea as well. Um, so yes, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm quite excited about it. You know, I think the thing with Conte, we've said it before, he kind of is that kind of manager. Only looking at his career, you've got to enjoy it while it lasts, because you know sometimes little things can uh, strain the relationship he has with clubs. And and Tottenham are a club that like to strain a relationship or two, <laughs> uh, so he's not walking into an easy environment in any way, shape, or form. Um, but definitely for the now, I, I think it's really exciting. Um, and I agree with you. I think this international break is crucial. I think that's a really, for those players that are behind, uh, who have been left behind, especially the likes of Tongi, and I think Regulon as well. I think Regulon, you know, trying to work on that wing-back role, to have two weeks to work with Conte and his coaches purely on getting what he wants out of him. And Tongi, you know, to have two weeks of, <laughs> poor old Tongi, he's probably thinking, I got used to Mourinho fitness. I've got used to Nudo's. Now we brought in Conte. It's going to work me even harder than both of them combined. Um, but I think it'll only benefit him. You know, Tongi, to be fair to him, has shown that after his, you know, kind of little wayward ways that he has when he wants to leave, when he does knuckle down, he properly knuckles down. Um, and I think he'll be excited about Conte as well. I've got a feeling Conte wanted him at Inter. I'm sure I was told that before. So, you know, this will now be a time for him to to show him what he's got, because obviously Lo Celso's off and away as well. Um, and even the likes of Bergvine and Sessegnon, if he does take part in any kind of team stuff, it's a huge time for them. And all these players and Delhi and Winks. And this is why I wonder whether we'll see Winks against Leeds. Because, you know, when you've got two weeks to work with him, um, he'll be ready to go with exactly what Conte wants. It's like a, it's like a mini pre-season for these, what is it, 10 players? It was eleven, and I think Bergwijn went off, didn't he, on um, international duty? Yeah, I think I think it was twelve. Uh, so there's Brandon Austin as well. There's two keepers. There's Galini, there's yeah. Austin, Sessignon, Eric Dyer, uh, Regalon. Else you got Brian Hill, Harry Winks, and Dombelli, Delhi, Stephen Bergwijn was originally yeah. in there before getting a recall to the Holland squad. Uh, Tanganga as well so there's a there's a decent amount of plays he can work with I mean it's not like at certain clubs where you'll be left with literally the bare bones Uh, there's a decent amount he can work on and with Ndombele everyone at Tottenham raves about him in training obviously everyone did with Moussa Dembele and then you know everyone says Ndombele is the best he can just do stuff like players could only dream of doing so Conte has gone to you know, discover that sooner rather than later. These two weeks are going to be crucial for a number of players, the likes of Winks, Deli Alley, and Don Bellet. And these players who aren't going the way will be intent on impressing Conte and being in that team's face leads after the international break. So yeah, it's going to be a really interesting period coming up and certainly an important one. Yeah, it's still two games a week, isn't it, until January? So a lot of these players are going to get minutes because he can't just play the same 11. He can't in every game. There's just too many of them. It's not possible. And there will be injuries as well. Um, I'm fascinated to see, because like I was saying earlier, his, his formation opens up chances for other players. So let's say Tanganga and Roden. You know, Tanganga will now, you'd imagine, be able to go back to his favoured position as centre-back. You know, he's going to need three centre-backs in every match. So the likes of Tanganga and Roden will get game time at centre-back. They will. Um, And I think Tanganga, I like the idea of him on the right of a back three. I think that would really, really suit him. I think Roden would be comfortable playing anywhere across the three. And that's good for him. I've already said about... um, Sessegnon, I think, will now get chances in a in a different role than Spurs have utilised him in, which I think will play more to his strength. For him, it's just about getting over these hamstring injuries. He's essentially going through what Delhi went through about two years ago in just constantly plagued by hamstring problems. And and I think more so for someone like Sessegnon, who's probably, you know, used his pace a lot as a youngster. It's uh 
It'd be interesting to see what happens with him because it reminds me a little bit, was it Michael Owen, wasn't it, towards the end of his career to rely less on that pace. Um, and, you know, poor old Ryan says, he's only 21. I'm hoping we're not at the stage where his, his pace is gone before, because of these injuries. But uh, he'll obviously have to manage himself uh, in a slightly different way. But I hope this is a, a good uh, kind of a boost for him coming back from injury to um, to a very different coach who hopefully will be able to utilise him. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's um, there's a few players. The irony is the one position Spurs are massively overloaded in, which is probably wingers, is now a bit of a redundant position because I do think that he'll start using less wingers. Um, I mean, could maybe, I think he did at Chelsea, could convert wingers to become wingbacks in a way. And, you know, maybe someone like Lucas, maybe even Bergvine, maybe could be converted to do that. Brian Hill, I'd imagine it'd be more likely you convert him into that number 10 role, if that's what he goes. I think he could play quite well there. But yeah, I do find that quite, not amusing. Sometimes I sit and laugh myself to sleep at night about it. But, you know, it is quite weird that the one position in the squad where they had loads of people, and then suddenly, you know, you're suddenly in a role that's a bit of a, an endangered species in this Tottenham team. And even in the middle, um, it, it's changed it now. Because if he does play Skip and Hoybier in every single game, and then let's say Winks does want to go in January, you're looking at probably having to bring in another central midfielder. You know, Pape Matosar arrives next summer, but he'll still be very young and raw. And I don't think they've really nailed down what his best position is yet either. His Mets have played him all over the shop. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, uh, while I'm very sad to see Nuno go from an entirely professional journalistic point of view to come back into an international break, which you and I both well know are normally the most frustrating, boring time with no matches whatsoever and we kind of scrabble about and have to be creative with what we're going to write about. We've now got a new manager with very different beliefs, very different tactical stuff. Um, it just opens the door for, for so much more for us to write about and that's just us, what it must be like for the players. It must be so exciting. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, a fresh start for everyone. Tottenham couldn't have picked a better manager. He's the best manager available on the market at the moment. So highly rated in the game. He's a winner. He's proven that at Chelsea, at Juventus, when he won all those Scudettos in a row, yeah. guided into Milan to their first uh, Serie A title in 11 years. Had Chelsea in two FA Cup finals on the trot in his two years at the club. It's going to be a really exciting period for Tottenham and you can see him going all out for the trophies. And I think Tottenham fans will be more confident facing an informed West Ham team in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal at home with Conte in charge rather than Nuno now. You know, if you win that, you're into the final four. Good chance of another Cup final appearance. So... Yeah, uh, hopefully Conte and Tottenham can start building some momentum in the coming weeks because there's some favourable fixtures and then they can really kick on in 2022 and mean business because I think still a few points off the top four. There's 27 games to go. It's a lot of football still to be played in the season. It can still be a good year for Spurs despite it being such a mixed start. Yeah, and the January transfer window is going to be interesting as well because he clearly needs people and he will have been told that he could, he can. But we also know, despite some people don't always want to hear this, but the January transfer window is a difficult one. It really is. And, you know, teams will see Tottenham coming from a mile away, knowing that Conte will want players and prices will rise. Uh, it's difficult to get the players you want because a lot of players don't want to leave mid-season or the club don't want to let them go. Even teams struggling down the bottom, let's say, I don't know, Spurs look for another striker. Even teams down the bottom are like, well, we don't want to sell someone that scores goals for us because we could get relegated. That could be the difference. And it is such a difficult window to operate in. But hey, we're, you know, Paratic is, we're, we're led to believe that he is one of the shrewdest operators in the market for the much of what he does and he has these amazing contacts and if he and Conte you know Paratici I know claimed the other day they haven't spoken about players at all yet I'd be surprised if they haven't had a couple of conversations <laughs> about the January transfer window but you know it's not for me to claim that 
Um, and yeah, no, I'm fascinated to see because normally you and I both know this. In January, on the whole, we can pretty much write off most of the transfer rumours as, yeah, well, well, that's lot. That maybe one to revisit in the summer. But a little bit maybe like Mourinho's first January, you know, when they got Bergvine, Fernandez. Yeah, Jetson. Yeah, that was a cracker. Um, and Lacelso's move got made permanent as well, didn't it? I do. I do think with the new manager, you have to you have to sculpt it slightly to help them sculpt sculpt the squad to their needs. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether they were deals that maybe they'd originally set up for next summer, or deals that they just couldn't quite get done in the previous summer, um, and they just think, okay, we've got to back him because let's be honest, if Conte walks away or fails and says it's because he wasn't backed. Oh, my goodness. Every single Tottenham Hotspur fan will then point their finger at the very top of the club, won't they? They will, because, you know, there's only so many times that the manager can be sacked and it's the fault of the manager or it's even, like we said earlier, the fault of the players. At some point, if you've got one of the best Let's be honest, Conte is a manager who guarantees trophies nowadays, isn't he? You know, he, he does. And Mourinho did as well. But Conte, I'd say, even more so in terms of the modern era and right now and league titles and everything. If he can't do that at Tottenham, then it's because of Tottenham. It is. It is. So that's why I'm intrigued to see this January window, because I think they're going to have to back him. You know, I do. They can come out with all the statements they want about how difficult January is, and I've just said how difficult it is, but they should still get a couple of deals at least done for him. They have to. Yeah, I think the problem we've got now is come January, we're going to have to write about the foreign player number issues again. Because <laughs> every player in Italy is going to be linked with me to Tottenham. It happened as soon as Karatici yeah. came in. So with Conte in as well. It's like oh, doubling no. up. Yeah, yeah. Every Serie A player. Every Inter Milan player will be linked, 100%. And guarantee yeah. it. And the trouble is, and we spoke about who might go, and we, we you know, we mentioned the, the likes of Delhi and Winks and people like that. I know people don't want to hear this, but where does that leave the homegrown rule? If you lose two <laughs> of your homegrown players, oh, goodness. Because you know what? Just for a little while, I'd forgotten about that, and you've just planted that back into my head again. It actually could create some issues in January. I mean, they were pretty much, they were okay, I think, especially for the Premier League. I think there may have even been a space or two because they got uh, so yeah. many foreign players went out the door in the summer. But still, yeah. Oh, the foreign player limit. Thanks for that, Gisty. Yeah, just literally, I just, I just thought of it as soon as I thought, oh, every Serie A player is going to be linked. Foreign player limit. So obviously, we won't go into that, but. <laughs> so there's probably hundreds of articles on our website about it so if yeah. you're that interested do have a look right <laughs> I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Hot Tottenham I think we'll be back next week to discuss uh, the international break and then also we'll be looking ahead to the Leeds United game on Sunday November the 21st uh, as ever if you'd like to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, then please do so. And just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. 